Today, I'll be speaking with Dashlane Chief People Officer, Ciara Lakani. If you're a regular listener, you might recognize that name from season one of the podcast, actually one of our very first interviews. I've done some consulting work with Dashlane and so do know their operations fairly well and look forward to speaking with Ciara about how they are supporting an employee base that spans Paris, where they were founded, New York, and Lisbon. So we'll be right back with that conversation after a brief word from our sponsor. 21st Century HR is a podcast exploring how to build better businesses through modern people practices and approaches. Brought to you by my firm, Amplify. Amplify provides HR executive search and strategic consulting services that help companies build better organizations. From employer brand development and execution to global talent strategies, Amplify develops custom solutions that help clients from Hootsuite to SpaceX optimize their recruiting capabilities. Amplify also hosts a new community for HR leaders called the Ecosystem. The Ecosystem was designed to bring modern HR leaders around the world together to share ideas, inspiration, and support. Learn more at AmplifyTalent.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to 21st Century HR Podcast. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt, and uh, very excited to be joined again by the Dashlane Chief People Officer, Ciara Lakani. Uh, I say again, Ciara is actually, uh, was my very first interview on this podcast last year and uh, was very gracious enough to come back on uh, as I've shifted the format to this new coronavirus coverage to talk a little bit about how she and the leadership team are guiding Dashlane through um, this situation as it unfolds. So, uh, Sierra, thanks so much for coming on. I'm going to have you do an intro, but just as this situation is very dynamic and fluid, I want to quickly timestamp. Today is Monday, March 23rd. Uh, this episode will be airing Wednesday of this week. So just a disclaimer, if there is any uh, significant changes between now and Wednesday, those are things that we will not be covering in this conversation. So Sierra, thanks so much for coming on. Um, why don't you just give listeners a brief introduction on you and we'll dig in. Thanks, Lars. Hi, everyone. I hope everyone is doing well in these very uh, interesting and challenging times. Uh, my name is Ciara Lacani, and I'm the Chief People Officer at Dashlane. Our mission is to fix the UX of the internet. Uh, how does that actually work today? You can install us on any of your devices, and we fill out your passwords and all your uh, payment and address information instantly. Um, and this is the third startup that I've been at. Um, and this is definitely a surreal situation, and it reminds me most of my first startup where we had Hurricane Katrina happen to skilled nursing facilities that we had, and we had to evacuate uh, many of those. So certainly uh, not my first time trying to support people through crisis, but no one ever knows you know, how to, to do it for sure. So it's just always something that you try. Yeah, and that's that's really interesting because I think there are, there are people that have been through events like that and you know 9/11 and you know terrorist incidents and some things on a on a smaller and more localized scale, but obviously the magnitude of of what we're seeing here is uh, there's certainly going to be elements of that I'm sure you're tapping into, uh, but then there's elements too where it's like, all right, what uh, how, how do we handle that? And th that's why you know I'm grateful for you making time for this, and I think. Uh, these kind of uh, platforms where practitioners can share what they're doing and how they're responding, because I think as a community, we're looking to each other um, for a lot of that guidance to help our own companies and our own leadership teams develop their plans. And so before we even get into your plan, you know, Sarah, I know you're in New York, which is really kind of the epicenter in the U.S. right now. Like, how how are you doing? Like, how is your is your daily life uh 
you know, impacted. It doesn't even feel like that's a strong enough word, but like, let me, I'll just, I'll just say, how are you doing it? I'm going to let you, you take that. Sure. I mean, overall, I think I'm doing well considering the circumstances. Um, I have been inside my apartment in lower Manhattan and going out only for, you know, groceries and walks where I can stay at least two meters away from other people near the water. Um, but mostly I've been inside and at my computer and trying to find some semblance of balance while I do that. And certainly um, I realize that I have many forms of privilege, especially during this time. And, you know, being able to work from home is now a new uh, prevalent source of, of privilege that not everybody has. Um, so, of course, I'm anxious. At times I'm very stressed with the amount of incoming. Um, but I think what you said earlier about the people community and how we're supporting each other to be able to best support our workforces, that's something that's been incredibly, incredibly helpful to me. And that's why I'm really excited that you're podcasting and hearing from a variety of different voices, because sometimes you get ideas. Um, sometimes you're able to back up what you're discussing with another executive, giving examples of how other companies thought of it. Um, and just knowing that other people are going through the same thing, I think is incredibly helpful, especially in a time like this. Yeah, I think that those those platforms are so important right now, um, and and for all the reasons you just mentioned, right? It's one it's one to know you're you're not alone, and and anybody in this position right now is definitely not alone. Um, but B, I think when we're trying to advise our executive teams and ultimately organizations around how to respond to this, you know, where we can find tangible examples of what other companies are doing and the result that that's having or the impact that's having, I think that it makes those conversations. Um, you know, much more productive than, you know, anecdotal. I, I think we should just do this. And, and I don't necessarily have, um, you know, data or examples to call upon to, uh, to back that up. You know, for you, so Dashlane's operations, uh, you were founded in Paris. You have large employee populations in New York and Lisbon as well. You know, how is, how is coronavirus, maybe, maybe kind of looking back even over the last couple of weeks, how has this impacted your your operations? I know a lot has changed, but like how how has that you know unfolded as the situation unfolded for you? Well, <laughs> you could give a very long answer to that, but <laughs> right. I think in short, again, we are privileged that everybody at Dashlane, where we're mostly working on innovating our software and getting the word out about it, is able to work from home. Um, and of course that's not been ideal. And a lot of people are stuck home with families. A lot of people are stuck home in work environments that are less than ideal or ergonomic. Um, but we're fortunate that we're able to do that. And even our office experience team, which usually is doing a lot of their work in our offices, which are now closed, um, are finding things to do and reach out to people and still support the, the culture and the people, even if they're not doing it, um, in a physical way in the office. Um, in terms of how it's affected our business operations, uh, it's too early to tell. We're monitoring a lot of data with our analytics team. Obviously, a lot of companies may have a dip in people spending on their premium products. Uh, we see that our great customer support and service team still has a lot of work to do. Our ticket volume was only down 5% um, last week when we looked. So people are indeed um, on their computers that are many of our uh Dashlane users and reaching out to us still for support. Yeah, and I think when you look at uh, when you look at how the operations are impacted, I, I I do actually appreciate you using the word you know privilege in both of those answers because I think a lot of times, especially 
in our world, in our community, we work with a lot of technology companies. We work with a lot of startups. Um, you know, the nature of those employees and that employment is that many of them can work from home. And of course, it's not ideal. You've got kids at home. You're dealing with all these other things. So I'm not saying that that is just like, you know, an instant switch from an office to a home. But but there is real privilege in that because there is a lot of workers around the world who are not in that position and do not have the means to not have to go into their job, you know, which is really on the front lines of this. And so um, I, I know you were being deliberate about that term, and I'm glad that you did, because I think it is important to make that distinction and, and just recognize that there's so many people out there that uh, so many employees out there that are not in that position and uh, and, and they're on the front lines of this. And, and I think we should we should not uh, we should take every moment we can to kind of recognize them and, and their you know situation and how difficult that is. Yeah, I think that's that's very, very true. You know, for you, so you have, you know, employee populations in, in two, you know, global, um, you know, I don't know if, if Paris is considered a global hotspot, but obviously it is in Europe and one of the cities that uh, I think there's a lot of caution around as this continues to spread. Are you, are you sensing any difference in the response in your employee populations, you know, in, in say, for example, a city like Paris versus a city like New York? a really good question, Lars. And of course, you know, as you said earlier, when you say this is recorded on Monday, people will listen to it Wednesday or later. Things can change very rapidly um, in these times. Um, I have seen a lot of difference. What that difference looks like um, has varied by the day or sometimes by part of the day. But overall, um, what we've seen is what we usually try to do for Dashlane and supporting our community is think about when there's a solution that works for the entire community not treating parts of the community differently unless there is a good reason to do so. So that's been something that uh, me and the executive team have tried to keep in mind as we support people through this situation. Um, and that's been interesting because governments have responded very differently. Right. Um, so when we moved from um, you know, allowing people to work from home if they were more comfortable doing so, to encouraging people to work from home, to feeling that the only way we could do our part was to um, mandatorily close all the offices. Uh, we had different reactions in different countries. At the time, for example, in Portugal, our Lisbon uh, population sent some feedback saying, this feels like we've gone from zero to 100. This feels unnecessary. Um, but within a few days, um, their government had copied the French government and said, you cannot go outside unless it is to purchase groceries, seek medical care, uh, do limited exercise, and that may even be changing in France. Um, so the restrictions in Portugal and France are currently stronger um, than those in New York City. And so, yes, everybody is affected by where they live, where uh, their loved ones and their friends live. Um, and because we have a big feedback culture at Dashlane, which is great, uh, no one can think that the decisions that we're making are exactly what they think makes sense or perfect. So uh, we've had a, a lot of dialogue about that and just trying to do the best that we know how. Yeah. And let's let's talk about that decision making, you know, kind of process for a moment. Like, how are you working with your executive team to kind of monitor the situation, which is changing again, like you said, by by the day, in some cases by the hour, and and making kind of any necessary adjustments. I mean, the big one obviously is having all of your employees work remotely. Um, but as the situation continues to unfold, how are you kind of you know communicating and and collaborating with your executive team 
to to keep paces to keep pace with the changes that are happening and, and have conversations around you know how those things may or may not impact the business. Yeah, I mean that also has shifted as the situation unfolds. The things we were monitoring and the way we were discussing before we uh, made the decision to close all the offices was different than now, where we know there's only. Um, so much more that we can do to protect our employees, but we still want to keep them abreast of um, international and local governmental sources of information. Uh, because of course, there's a lot of people who are spare, uh, spreading and sharing information that may be um, not accurate, that may be political, that may be anxiety producing or includes like a picture that it shouldn't. And we don't censor um, our community. So we have a COVID-19 channel that somebody decided to set up. And also in our random Slack channels and our general Slack channels, people are sharing whatever they want. Um, and we're not stopping them from doing that. But how do we make sure that what we share and what we encourage people to look at from the executive team um, is going to be reliable and, and consistent. Yeah, and so what is your um, communication cadence for kind of pushing out those those kind of corporate, um, you know, business employee impact, you know, update messages to your team? I hate to answer every question with that continues to change the situation. <laughs> that, you know, if, if there's any situation where that's absolutely fair, like this is it, so... Yeah, but um, we do know that having consistency in some of the communication cadence is really important. So one of the things we decided to do was to lengthen our town halls, which are now completely via Zoom, to one hour and to move them to every week, um, but at the, the normal time uh, that they used to start on Tuesdays. So that's the regular cadence when people can absolutely expect to hear something. Um, I've communicated via email approximately once per week about what is the company's, you know, high level stance on what's going on um, and let people know that if they want more detailed updates, there's a Confluence page that they can watch because when I change it, um, it will push out to the followers um, and then sharing a lot on Slack. So we have a management channel where we want to give resources to support managers who are very important in supporting everybody else who's not managing. Um, and um, trying to make sure that not too much time goes by where people haven't heard from someone. But what's from very different from some of my you know, past jobs in larger organizations or where communication was more top down is you know, sometimes I go in my management channel and three other managers have shared things. So I'm not going to share on the same day what I planned for today because it's like, okay, people are receiving support from each other. So I'll wait, I'll monitor that a few days and I'll, I'll see when it makes sense for me to send what I had in mind if it wasn't urgent. Got it. And what you've mentioned, uh, Confluence, you know, Slack, Zoom, are there any other uh, tools or technologies that you're, you're using kind of as you navigate this new you know, remote first uh, normal? Those are the main ones. In addition to, we happen to um, still be on Office 365, um, unlike many startups our size. Um, and we're trying to look into, I forget the name, but there was, is um, a software that facilitates effective retrospectives. And because we're big and working and agile and most of our headcount are directly the people working on building the software, that's something that we're looking into. We obviously don't want to make big investments in this time at any, in any software that's not essential. But if there are small tools like that that enhance productivity, there are things that we're looking into. Got it. Well, and 
One thing I'm curious about, you know, when you have your, you, you, you know, historically you had, you know, mostly in, in office culture, you had remote, you know, scenarios, but for the most part, people came into an office and, you know, now in the span of a month, you're entirely remote and all of your employees are remote. All of your managers are remote. Like as an HR leader, how do you help your, both your employees and then even your managers and your leaders, you know, navigate to not just being remote, but being remote in all different kinds of circumstances where some people can't leave the house. Some people are parents and they're homeschooling kids kind of as they're, as they're working, you know, how do you, what, what, what are the things that you can be doing as an HR leader to kind of help your, your managers and your employees adjust? Yeah, it's a good question. Well, I think first, as our, our CEO shared in our town hall last week, like we're really thankful to see so many people giving their best during this time and everybody's best is going to be different. So continuing to reinforce that we understand that and that while there are some resources that we feel will help most people, we need to be available and supporting their managers to help people um, with their particular situation because it can be very different, right? Somebody who has children at home, it's different from somebody who doesn't. It varies on uh, the job of their partner or even something as tactical as in some households, they have three Zoom meetings going at a time and the Wi-Fi can't handle it. So right. how do you... Uh, turn off your camera part of the time, et cetera. Um, how do you negotiate that with the others you're sharing your household with to have what you need in order to um, do work? So that's something we try to remind people of. And then there are great resources in, in that area. I mean, I think the crowdsource document that um, you put together on what companies are doing has some useful stuff. Um, Life Labs, which is a training company that was started out of New York, uh, has a great work from home guide that they've been crowdsourcing and updating as well. Um, and we've been pulling from a variety of other resources and sharing among our, our peer community of chief people officers and providing that to people. Uh, but at the end of the day, yes, it's, it's different for everyone and it's an adjustment for everyone, even for those who had been previously working from home. Yeah. And, and for you, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned some of those resources and I appreciate the, uh, the comment on the, the open source Google doc. You know, I, I think that those, those open, collaborative, shared resources have um, been incredibly valuable because, again, like this is uncharted territory for all of us. And so the more we can get a sense of what our peers are doing and how they're responding, the better. And, and there's another element of that to, to as well, which kind of ties into my next question. I think as as leaders, right, where we, we have, you know, in, we're in this unique position as people leaders where we have an obligation to the employees, we have an obligation to the leadership team, we have an obligation to the company, and, and we're doing our best to help all of those different constituents, constituents navigate this. Um, but we also have an obligation to ourselves. And, and I think that the uh, so many times we talk about going through this and experiencing this, you know, we're, we're often, I think those conversations don't necessarily honor the individual experience of the people leader who is navigating this and on the, on the absolute, you know, apex of this uh, when it comes to helping their companies navigate and dealing with all the, you know, the challenges that their employees are facing and the anxiety and their own anxiety. And, and I think finding kind of community and, and, you know, peer, um, you know, support, I think is essential, you know, in these times. And so for you, like, where are you finding community? How are you, you, you mentioned earlier, some of the, the kind of networks that you're involved in, like, how are you, finding, you know, the, the, the peer community that you can, you can have the conversations with that you just can't anywhere else. 
Yeah, no, I'm fortunate that I was already very actively involved on a consistent basis, um, mainly in, in two uh, different communities of, of chief people officers and heads of people. Um, and so I've just maintained that involvement. And now we've had some of our meetings virtually over Zoom. Um, smaller groups are splitting up for, okay, let's do drinks and just talk to each other and you know um, share a sense of community. That's not strictly best practice sharing over Zoom as well. Um, so I've felt that there's um, more than enough of that. And you're so right that that's something that needs to be done. I mean, people are not going to do their best in supporting others unless they put their own oxygen mask on first. As they <laughs> right. would tell us on the airplanes that we no longer get to travel on for a little while here. <laughs> and um, I know that you've done a lot of work and there's also some great podcasts from your series in the past about how challenging it can be to be in the role of the chief people officer where you are taking on um, so many stress, so many ambiguous challenges from other people. And how do you process that, right? And complete your own stress cycle and avoid burnout. And certainly I don't think I've... Uh, found the answer. Um, but I, you know, have been doing this for a long time and there's, you know, certain things that I can try and experiment with. And I think it's another thing that we're trying to share with each other within our communities and being there for each other and knowing that other people, um, are dealing with similar challenges, certainly helpful. Yeah. And I think, you know, last question for you, Sarah, is you, you know, obviously you've been experienced, you've seen a lot of things you, you mentioned referencing kind of the, the Katrina experience and how you're able to call upon some of that. For listeners out there that may, um, you know, maybe, maybe on the earlier side of their people leadership career and they're experiencing something like this for the first time, um, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, that's a good question. So my advice would be like, if you don't have peers or others who are more experienced to reach out to, right, even, you know, find um, my LinkedIn or Lars LinkedIn and, and comment. And we know lots of people we can connect you to, but I think it's important to be connected because in the people fields, we're always worried, especially when we're making decisions that can be controversial, that can be unclear. What is it that we should do? And not that talking to anyone else um, means that you're more likely to find the right answer or know what the right answer is. Um, but it's certainly helpful to to have that there. So I would say, yeah, don't be isolated if it's your first time in this role. And also just know that like, you know, many professionals have a sense of imposter syndrome and it doesn't mean that only people their first time in their role, right, are experiencing that. Um, and that's, you know, normal and that's okay. And that doesn't mean that you can't do a great job. And I think keeping that in mind and sometimes people think like, okay, I've only got this if I was like somebody else who seems to know exactly what to do, I think none of us know exactly what to do in any circumstance, but especially um, in unprecedented times like this and everyone's just doing the best they can. So I think you're not alone in that. Yeah. I mean, that's such a great point. I, I would, I would venture to guess there are very few HR leaders and or business leaders in these circumstances that don't feel like they're over their head. You know, that's just, the, the sheer magnitude of this and the unknown and just all the different variables, you know, there, nobody has all the answers. And so I'm, I'm glad you, you, you know, made that point because I do think that's important, especially for, um, you know, mid-career HR leaders, this can be a bit overwhelming. And I think you gave some great advice to help them navigate that. So Sierra, thanks so much for, for coming on. I really appreciate you coming back on. I'm glad to hear that the team is hanging in there and uh, definitely want to wish you all the best as this continues to unfold. Same, Lars, and thanks for, for doing this and sharing so much with the community.
Thanks for listening to this episode of 21st Century HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this or read stories from the 21st Century HR Fast Company series, go to 21stCenturyHR.com. And if you want to make your podcast just a little more awesome, be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or whatever podcast platform your ears desire. You'll find all the subscribe links on the website. And if you enjoy the podcast, do me a favor and share it with your peers, your network, your boss, and your CEO. Help me get the podcast into the ears of anyone who wants to know what HR and recruiting looks like when done really well. They'll thank you for it, and so will I. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next episode.